You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or give to our ministry, please visit us at thevillagechurch.net. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all meant to be registered, each in his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there's no place for them to sleep in the inn. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. <laughs> Man, I love that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. We're going to be in Hebrews 10. Uh, and so those kids will be with us throughout Advent. That'll be our reading each week. Uh, but each week I'll be maybe in a different passage than that. Uh, and so if you have your Bibles, uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, I don't know if you can hear it, but this isn't, it's, it's not all good in here. I feel great. Um, but something's sitting on my vocal folds. And so uh, we will be more quick than usual uh, this morning. I know some of you have your doubts on that, but we'll find out. And it, it'll be more uh, like maybe more homily uh, for me than full on sermon. Now, um, last week, um, Mason King, I, I thought, did a phenomenal job uh, preaching the book. What a gift. Uh, really, the depth of teachers at the village are, and I wasn't here because I was marrying my daughter, and so here's a couple pictures uh, of that. This is uh, our dance at the reception, um, and then this is like right before the doors open, uh, and we walk down um, in front of everybody. Audrey says, Dad, let's get one last selfie, to which I responded, one last selfie whatever, but I did take the selfie. It's not our last selfie. Uh, it's just this selfie. Um, and, and then walked down and man, it was, I mean, I can still feel it in my chest. Um, it was awesome and amazing and awful. And it was all of those things, um, wrapped together. But, um, the kindness of the Lord throughout the day, um, as I was pulling and we got there very early to set everything up. Um, and as we rolled out, oh gosh, I think I got there about nine 30, uh, there was a full-on rainbow over the barn uh, at Paradise where, um, where this thing was being held. Um, and I just, like everything last week, and I've got good friends who are here at this thing, um, uh, everything was just like the colors were brighter and the smells were sweeter. And when we got to the reception, um, I, I was just struck by the reality that all of this, as beautiful as it is, is just a rehearsal for something better that's coming. Um, that as fun as it was to feel as deeply as I was feeling, and I was, man, I was a mess throughout the day. I had a couple of, I think I had two little 10 minute blocks where uh, I had a friend just say, it's, it's an uglier face if you try to hold it in. Um, and so I just took his advice, but literally when I pulled up and that rainbow was over the barn, I just sat in my truck and uh, like, 
ugly cried for 10 minutes at just the Lord's faithfulness. You know, 14 years ago, um, a doctor told me that I wouldn't make it to this day. And um, here I was. I I had specifically asked 14 years ago, I want to walk my little girl down the aisle. And, and he gave me that. And he didn't owe me that, and he didn't. But what I was struck, yeah, thank you. But what I was struck, really the thing that struck me more than anything else, um, as we celebrated and laughed and partied and danced and rejoiced, there was just so much to be glad about, it was that, like, this is coming at a level that's hard to get my mind around. Like, and that Lauren and I and our family, we've bet our whole lives on it. Like, that Christ will return and that we are a year closer this year and we are a week closer than we were last week and we are 31 minutes closer than we were when this service started to the return of Christ, all things being made new, and the wedding supper of the Lamb, which is the language God uses for the consummation of all things. It's the language he uses uh, around this idea that there'll be no remembrance of the former things. It's the language he uses when the Bible sets before us uh, a world that's been renewed and remade into its splendor uh, and that the presence of God is unfettered before us, that it won't be by faith, but be by sight that we dwell with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's the language the Bible uses when you and I will join the dance of the eternal Godhead and dwell where there is no temple and no need for services because we'll find ourselves in the interdependent love of the triune God of the universe. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we've put our hope in that place, not, not just in the life to come, but in this one. Like, I'm not waiting Um, for the return of Christ to enter into the delight of this wedding feast. It's available to us now in Christ. And so what I want to talk about very briefly this morning, and you still look like you don't believe me, but I want to just, especially right now, uh, ask that, you know, well, say I, I came up with this sentence probably 15, 20 years ago, and I just, I think I use it at this time of the year every year, and it's this little sentence, um, that, that where you place your hope is imperative to your experience of joy. Where you place your hope is imperative to your experience of joy. And what I mean by that is that if you put your hope in things that can't hold up the weight of it, then, then you will find your life filled with anxiety, sadness, and anger. But if you put your hope in the right place, if you drop anchor in that place that's unshakable, uh, the Bible tells us in Romans 10 that those who hope in him will never be put to shame. So that to put our hope in other things is to actually grow in shame, but to put our hope in Jesus is to be saved from shame. He will not betray us. He cannot fail us. He he will be with us. And I think that's super important this time of year because a thousand faux hopes uh, are going to be shoveled into your imagination with every Hallmark movie and, and even the classics. Do you know like sometimes you just get the jelly of the month club, that's all you get? Like the bonus isn't coming, right? Right. Sometimes it, it just 
stays Pottersville no matter how hard you worked or how good your life was. Sometimes your dad would just actually rather keep publishing books and hate you. I think I've covered a lot of the main Christmas stories, but if you don't know, I'm, I don't even feel the need to apologize. It, it, it's this propaganda that actually has a, it, there's actually a psychological effect now on the back end of this season called the Christmas blues. That's not just a saying, it's actually a thing. What happens is there's so much expectation uh, for the miraculous in this season. There's so, much, there, there's so much expectation that these relationships will be mended or at the last moment, it's all gonna work out or in, in these, and so we build ourselves up to this thing's gonna be like super, super magical and then Christmas morning comes and, and it goes and then we're left taking down all the stuff and it has this uh, effect on us, this kind of low-key, low-grade melancholy that takes over the soul. And, and even as I say that, I'm, we're all in. The Chandlers are all in on this season. We love the trees and the lights. Um, my wife is a pretty staunch Thanksgiving gets its due before Christmas gets is, which I know is becoming less and less popular, but we've got a pretty hard, fast line on that. And by that, I mean, Lauren has a pretty hard, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving and then we'll start the Christmas songs. Uh, and so we did. I mean, I think on the drive home from Thanksgiving, Lauren pressed play on the Christmas stuff. And our kids were like, it's not, it's still Thanksgiving. Um, and Lauren handled that with the dignity and grace that a mom at the end of a long Thanksgiving day would handle such things. And we listened to Christmas carols on the way home. Happily, I might add, listened to Christmas carols on uh, the way home and, and have listened to those since in our house. And so um, what I wanna be able to do today because life has a way of piling endlessly upon itself and over a period of time without our knowing, we will place our hope in other things. And then when they don't work out like we want them to, or they don't work out like maybe we were expecting to, then, then we can get angry. That, that's my default. Or we, we can grow in anxiety or we can double down in our kind of maybe controlling nature. And we can, and again, I'm not, I'm not judging harshly. I'm, I, found, I find myself uh, among you. I, I am the first to, if I'm, if I've put my hope in like my ability to pull something off or, or my giftedness to make something happen or, and it doesn't seem to be going my way, I, I almost always will double down and work harder or grab, you know, with, with more force or try to make or try to rather than go, wait, wait, my, my hope's been put in the wrong thing. My, my hope's been put in the wrong thing. So what I want to try to do by the grace of God in the next, I, I swear, 12 minutes, 15 minutes, is reorient our hearts around the hope that will not put us to shame and will not fail us regardless of how this year's season is playing out, whether you um, are in abundance or in poverty, and that could be relationally or financially. Uh, our hope is not in this commercialized version of the season where magically everything works its way out. No, 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 our, our face is set 
towards the wedding supper of the Lamb, all things being made new at the return of Christ and his presence in the here and now to sustain us and orient us around what's most true because Jesus sits at the center of reality and is the key character of all of reality. He, here is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and he has come to take away the sins of the world. And he has come that you and I might be held fast in him. And so with that said, let's look at this passage together. Hebrews 10, 19 through 24. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us, through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. So I'm just gonna stop there and I wanna talk about this first place to drop anchor. Um, I love the language of this passage and what it's trying to incite or stir up in you and I as imperfect men and women who have surrendered their lives to Jesus and by the grace of God are following after him on the long journey home, which has a lot more peaks and valleys than anybody probably told us up front or certainly that we imagined up front. And listen back to some of these words, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by this way that he opened up. Since we have a great high priest, let us draw near with a true heart, honest heart, in full assurance of faith. And then he, and he unpacks the, this reason why we should have confidence and why we should have full assurance uh, uh, of faith. And, and he says these, these two things, that our evil conscience has been sprinkled clean and that our bodies have been washed. So, so I wanna talk about those two things and how dropping anchor right now in this moment sustains us in a kind of hope that transcends life circumstances and will make us glad-hearted even maybe in a season of lament. This idea of having an evil conscience sprinkled is a reference to understanding deeply that the curtain that was torn, the body that of Christ that was broken for our sins has created access for us to come into the presence of Jesus as we are today. Not a, a cleaner version of ourselves or a better version of ourselves. Some of the ways I've tried to unpack this for the last 20 years is like this. Jesus knew what he was buying on the cross. Like he just knew what he was buying on the cross. And so the tendency that you and I might have to hope in something else is oftentimes fueled by the fact that we don't believe that God actually likes us or loves us. And so we've got to make our own way. And, and this is saying, no, 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 have confidence. No, approach with full assurance of faith. Why? Well, because Christ died for your sins. So at the end of all of our services, we do the Lord's table. We take the elements and we celebrate this reality that all of our sins, past, present, and future, are fully, freely, and forever forgiven in the person and work of Jesus. Full of confidence, full assurance of faith, 
Christ has made a way that the coming of Jesus was cosmic victory over sin and death and Jesus extends that victory to us. So yes and amen, I'm looking to the wedding supper of the lamb. I'm looking to that new wine, that heavenly dance floor, all things being made new, unfettered access to the lover of my soul. Yes and amen, but in the here and the now, I am welcomed and wanted in his presence. And I'm dropping anchor there. And I would encourage you in this season to drop anchor there. Because as we've said, what is what we're in most need of is our soul lined up for its purpose. That purpose being the worship and intimate belonging to the creator of our souls. And, and so I wonder, have you placed your hope in something else? Like if you, I, I, like I can say, like Lauren and I, we've, like we've got all our chips right here. That, that's where they are. They're, they're just right here. Like we don't, we don't have a foot in this world, but we're going to kind of keep our foot right here just in case this doesn't pan out for this life and the life to come. We're, we're all in. And after 30 years of by his grace, one foot in front of the next through the highs and lows of the long journey home, we're just in this season where there's this amazing amount of fruitfulness simply by steady monotonous returning to him over and over and over again. Like, like there's been so much good fruit lately that, that's been three decades in the making. It wasn't fast. It wasn't always easy. We just kept leaning back into this. We, we just kept saying, no, 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 we, we're all in. We're, we're, no, we, we've burned the ships. This is, this is the only way there is. And, and I wonder, like, is this, is this where your hope's been placed? But, but that's not the only thing that's in this passage. We also see um, why you can hold fast to that confession of hope in verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. So let's not waver. Let's hold fast with a strong hand. Why? For he who promised is faithful. So here's another place to just really drop anchor when we think about the idea of hope and hopefulness and living a lot. Because I think really what what you and I have the, the possibility to do in this current cultural moment is be like letting our apologetic being our unwavering, unflappable hope despite the chaos of our current cultural moment. We're going to have a lot more opportunity come fall. Um, I'm praying even now uh, how to preach and how to prepare us for what I can only imagine um, is going to be another case study in divide, separate, and enrage. Um, and so I want to try to get us ready for that. But, but I wonder what it might be like for us to really double down on this, that we have a hope that is unshakable. We have a hope that can't be taken from us. We will be optimistic because of the wedding supper of the lamb and the presence and power of God right now and we'll be unwavering in it because he who promised is faithful. A couple of things that always kind of grab hold of me in the deeper places. I don't know if they'll resonate as much with you, but I I think they will. Um, Like I love like 
in, in the, the first chapter of Philippians where the, the apostle Paul says that he who began this good work will be faithful to complete it. I love that because it, it, it doesn't say that he began it, now good luck. You know, he began it, here's some spiritual electrolytes because you're gonna need it. He, he began it and he'll see you uh, at the wedding supper of the lamb. That, there's this ferocious commitment to me. He who began this good work will be faithful to complete it. I, I, I feel this all the time. Like I wasn't interested in the Lord. I, I had a nice plan. I was going to be a lawyer, but like not, not the paperwork kind of lawyer. Like the you can't handle the truth lawyer. Did you order the code red lawyer? That was, I was going to be that. I was going to have a, a stunning wife. I was going to have a couple Porsches. I, I was going to, that, that was my life. And the Lord was like, actually, but you'll be miserable. Get over here. Like he came and got me. I, I wasn't looking for him. He began this good work. I, I want to I be reminded, he's been faithful 30 years in right now. He's been faithful. And, and then I've read that he's called me according to his purposes, which means he didn't save me randomly, that there's this purpose that he has for me. There's this purpose that he has for you. You have not been randomly brought to him and you have not been brought to him to be forgotten by him. It is amazing to me how quickly we'll be like the Israelites that were saved out of slavery to Egypt. They get into the desert for like a day and a half. They're like, you brought us out here to kill us. No, no, you haven't been saved to be abandoned. You've been called according to his purposes. And then my, my, the third one that, that's just been the last really two years that I just can't, it's like almost every day it's in my, my head that, that God has promised by his own name that he'll get us safely home. He, he didn't promise, like, like I love this, like God um, who, who began this good work in me, who called me according to his purpose, the same is true for you, uh, has said, I, I know there are gonna be some seasons that it's gonna, this is gonna feel shaky to you. So I want you to know I'm promising by me that I'll get us there. I'm not promising by you. His, his confidence is not in me. He knows me all too well to not be confident in me. But, it, but he's supremely confident in himself. Like, why can we drop anchor in this hope that the wedding supper of the Lamb is closer than ever and we have all the strength we need today to flourish? Not to survive, but to flourish. Because by the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ, we are welcomed in his presence. We have been saved from sin and death. And God is faithful and swears by his own name that he began this and he'll be faithful to complete it, and that you and I have been called according to his purposes. He is faithful. And the last thing that's not actually a point, but I think it's helpful, is how verse 23 ends. It just says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Um, there is quite a bit of sociological data and I would argue biblical precedent. Look, look at me real quick so we can just have a, that you're going to become like the people you surround yourself with. If you wanna know what you're becoming, look at those you're in proximity with and you spend the most time with. If they are jaded and cynical 
and frustrated and angry, look at me, that's where you're headed. But if they are vibrant and hopeful and full of the spirit and glad hearted in the things of God, so are you heading in that direction. This is why he ends this passage with, hey, let us consider how we might encourage one another. And if you're not careful right now, you might be thinking, I wish somebody would encourage me. See, you're doing it. You're already doing it. Okay, great. Maybe you're not being encouraged like you should be encouraged. Man, I'm, uh, let me apologize for that. Let me try to be one of those voices to you today. I think the best way to receive some of that is to be a man or woman who gives that. I, I, would, I would say that the most consistent way that the manifest, tangible presence of God has made itself known in my life is not some ethereal, you know, wow washing over me, but it's been the saints of God through the highs and lows joining me in rejoicing and weeping. It has been the saints of God showing up at the house and, and not saying anything and sitting around to fire. It's been the saints of God coming alongside and going, I hate this for you. And I want to encourage you as we talk about hope and we think about hope, um, to lean all the more into the gift that is the people of God. Is that risky? Yes. Can they betray? Yes. Can the people of God wound you on accident or maybe even on purpose? Yes, 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 I wish it wasn't so. Is it worth the risk? I'm 30 years in and it's worth the risk. It, it is worth the risk to be known, to, to move towards, and to guard that. Like I've tried to model our, we've tried to model our lives. Like if you watch Jesus' life, he's got the three you know, he's got this inner three, and they're, they're like always invited. Right? It's like, hey, I'm going up on the mountain to be transfigured, you three with me. Do you know what, like, what the rest of the 12 were thinking? I don't think they got their feelings hurt as readily as we do in these days, but um, they go up on the mountain. Like, it's this three that Jesus has, and he, he, has a, he, he lets them know more than he lets the others know, and he loops them in on things. Like, they, they're his inner circle, and then he's got the 12, and then larger than the 12, he's got a larger group. And so, uh, as we've tried to build a life of long-term faithfulness rooted in hope, we've said, hey, these, these are our people. We, we don't have secrets from these people. These people aren't invited. They can show up whenever they want to show up and we will show up whenever we want to show up and, and we're gonna get shield to shield with one another for this whole run home. And on their day of trouble, I'll be there. And on my day of trouble, they'll be there. And on my day of rejoicing, they're coming to celebrate. And then on their day of rejoicing, I'm there to celebrate and there's no jealousy or infighting or backstabbing. In fact, there's no space for that. You, that's a quick way out of that inner circle. And I, and I wonder if you are aware of how much hope is born of those that are around us most. Please be careful not to surround yourself with the cynicism of our day. Surround yourself with those who take this verse to heart. Let us consider how we might stir one another up to love and good deeds. That's the role of the body. Why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you bow your heads, 
Close your eyes. Told you. I said earlier that life has a way of endlessly piling up upon itself. Um, like even in preparing for this and having conversations with some um, friends, it, like some of us, we don't even know, we don't know how to think about this. Like we, we're so busy running so fast that where we've placed our hope is like we, yeah, I mean, to us, it's just like the arbitrary, yeah, my hope is in Jesus. But, but I wonder, like one of the things that, that I think is clear, it, like I've, I've, I've found it in my own life and I kind of, after 20 plus years of pastoral ministry, I think it's, it's universal that um, the, the more your experience, like God's given us emotions for a lot of different reasons, but one of the reasons for emotions is they're, they're a beautiful check engine light. Maybe you've heard me say that before. Uh, and so I have found, um, personally and pastorally, that where I am agitated or anxious, and I'll stop and just think for a little bit, I will more than likely have put my hope back on myself, back into my hands. Like, despite the fact that I'm 30 years into following Jesus, I incessantly still try to be the king of my life when things get hard, difficult, or aren't going the way I think they should. And so I, I wonder if, man, even as we head out on this most wonderful time of the year, if you aren't carrying quite a bit of fear, anxiety, maybe just, just frustration that's kind of made you a little bit more on edge and explosive, and, and, and maybe just maybe you've put your hope in the wrong thing. Maybe you've got your hope in you, and I'm not saying you're not awesome, I'm just saying you're a crummy God. That I'm sure by human standards, you're an excellent person. But when it comes to God's stuff, you just can be significantly lacking. And so I wonder just with you know, the quietness of the moment, which is part of what I'm trying to give you here, if you wouldn't have the courage to say, hey, I... Man, I think I am in a season where my, my hope has wavered, that I have put my hope in different things, and I'm paying for that right now in either anxiety or fear or anger, and I don't even, I'm not quite sure how it happened, or maybe you know exactly how it happened, but maybe as we, we kind of just read the scriptures today and, and, and talked about what's in them, that you're identifying in your own heart, oh man, I've, I've got some misplaced hopes here, and, and I can internally feel and externally see um, that, that those hopes are betraying me. If that's, if that's you and you'd be so bold, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me, man. I need to realign my hopes. Realign my hopes. Yeah, all over. It just happens so easily. Okay, why don't you put your hands down? I'm going to pray for us. And while I pray for us, a group of men and women, they're going to come up front. And they're just our prayer team. And they, I say this every week, they're here for you. They're here to pray with you, to encourage you, um, to, to be someone you can talk to, confess to if you need that. Uh, and I would just encourage you today um, to, if you're, if you're willing, to come and just let one of them know, hey, man, I'm, 
I'm, I'm a little off. I got things twisted. I'm not even sure how it happened, or maybe you know exactly how it happened. But, but I want to realign my hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ. I'm going to lift my eyes to that wedding supper of the Lamb that we're so close to now. And realign your heart, your mind, and spirit to the presence and power of Jesus that isn't available to you because you're perfect or because you're worthy, but because he's good and through his body and blood he's made a way. Father, I bless these men and women in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your goodness, your grace. I thank you for the hope that we found in you. I know for some of us, this is a season of abundance, both relationally and in regards to financial provision. And it's, a, it's just a sweet season. And others of us, this is the first year with some significant loss and confusion. And so I pray that you'd meet us both today. You'd meet us both in your kindness. You'd meet us both in your mercy. And so I'm asking, Holy Spirit of God, stir our hearts back to the hope that is found only in you. Remind us of your goodness and grace. I I pray where we need to, um, for the good of our own souls, move towards a different group of people that aren't jaded and angry and and constantly burning things to the ground or we move towards those who love you and love your kingdom and see your work even behind the scenes that, that, Father, you might build us up in your love in that way this morning. As we celebrate the table, as we celebrate baptism, as we're reminded of your goodness and grace, we come to your altar this morning and we lay these hopes down that are no hopes at all. And it's for your beautiful name I pray. Amen.